Hello, welcome to Fashion History with American Duchess. I'm one of your hosts, Lauren Stoll. And I am Abby Cox. And today we are talking with a very, very special person. Well, everyone's special, but Constance (laughs) McKenzie from England. Hi, Constance. Hello. (laughs) Hi. Uh, So Constance works in the entertainment industry, uh, which is a wonderful side of historic costuming that we want to share with you because it's something that a lot of you want to get into, and it feels like you can't really break down the barrier, not sure where to start. So we've got a real live costumer here who's gonna gonna tell you all her secrets some of her secrets the secrets she's allowed to tell you the secrets she didn't sign away um also looking fabulous every day yes so we are um recording this at costume college in our hotel room Mm -hmm. we apologize for any feedback uh jet engines lamborghinis air conditioning that you hear in our hotel room so hopefully this will be a lovely recording and um We'll we'll talk to Constance. So yeah. hi, Constance. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being English now. I'm wondering what on earth I'm going to say and how it's going to work. So. It's okay. You just we're it's all good here. We're all friends. We're literally piled up on a hotel bed like a slumber party. So and, and just for for shits and giggles, Kathy Hay is also here on yeah. my on my bed. Hi, Kathy Hay. Today. No, she's over there. I, I, I see that Constance has already kept the side up by immediately the first thing she said after a hello was sorry. Yep. So that's absolutely perfect. Also, I don't I wouldn't be here without Kathy Hay making me come, so therefore I've had to bring her I've got to bring her to the podcast recording yes. as well. This is forced fashion history with yes. kidnapped Constance McKenzie. Welcome. Healthy with a bunch of loud American women. So Constance, why don't you give us uh, a quick well long and in-depth in introduction to who you are, what you do, and how you got into this. Mm-hmm. Right, I call myself a historical theatrical and now a costumier for film and TV as well. I, um, I was home educated by my parents at a time in England when not many people were and my, my favourite subject was history and they took me to a reenactment called Kentwell Hall in Suffolk Woo! when I was 10 or 11 because my favourite thing in the world was the Tudors and you step through the gates there, you go back in time and the whole place runs as if it's a Tudor manor house and as soon as I walked in I knew I had to go there so the next year we went as a family and my mum doesn't sew and I did and so the only way to get us all costumed because you have to make your own clothes was to make it and that was where I started and I thought, oh, this is just what I want to do all the time. Oh, awesome. Did you hand sew them at that age, or were you allowed uh, to machine sew? Both. We only while? had one sewing machine, and it was a, a, a hand crank one anyway. Ooh. So we used that and a lot of hand sewing. Awesome. Um, they've now changed that. There's a lot more uh, in-depth sort of authenticity at Kentwell, so there's a lot more hand sewing done, and it's really encouraged to go for it. So, nice. yeah, so obviously, and the more we got interested in it, the more you want to do that anyway. So, Oh, that's so cool. So you started with Kentwell, and so then the journey continues. Yes, yeah, so I started at Kentwell, uh, making costumes, new ones every year, and also sort of deciding what I was going to do for the future. I also went to see a lot of theatre, and so although I knew there was th- costume for theatre, I um, hadn't really thought about making it, and then I thought, oh, I just want to make historical costume. But actually I then thought, no, oh, I should probably go and learn how to do this properly, so I went to... Um, Wimbledon School of Art to do their costume interpretation course and I spent three years there going 
well, I'm not going to do that because everything they taught was, oh, this is how you do it for theatre. This is how yeah. you do it for film. And I'm going, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do historical costume. <laughs> and I was very insistent that I went and did my work experience at the V&A with the conservation department where oh, they all awesome. said, oh, don't go there. Don't go there. You know, they're the best place to go. They won't take you. I was like, well, no, I only want to go there or I don't want to do it. And I was really lucky that I did go there. That's amazing. And I got to see... Um, some beautiful examples. I was really interested then, as I am now, in 16th century roughs because oh, of Kentwell. So I got to see one of the ones that's in Patterns of Fashion that was originally labelled as an 18th century frill, but then they realised actually, no, it was a, 16th, a 17th century oh rough. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Can you imagine? Just, it's like, hello, friend. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I went to Wimbledon, did three years there, making um, historical costume the whole time on the side or any other work that came along. Wow. And then thought, right, as soon as I leave here, back to the historical stuff. And then I got a job straight away in a theatre. <laughs> <laughs> Which theatre was it? It was called the Mercury Theatre. It's in Colchester. It was a provincial rep theatre. So they still ran a company. So they had a company of actors. Most of the set, well, all the sets were built on site. And a lot of the costumes are made on site. And I met a wonderful lady called Mary who had been a, a fashion cutter in the 60s and 70s. Oh, and then she sort of had children. And then she was like, I really want to work again. And she'd started working there. And she was the wardrobe mistress. And she oh. really was fantastic. And I learned so much from her. Was it modern costuming for theatre? Or did they focus in historic theatrical um, productions? They weren't particularly... Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I've realised what I've forgotten to say, though. Before I went to Wimbledon, <laughs> before I went to Wimbledon, when I was thinking, what am I going to do with my life? The Globe Theatre advertised for wanting hand sewers for when they were doing the authentic practices. Oh, wow. And I thought, well, there's only one theatre I want to work in at the time. If I do it, it's the Globe when they're doing the fully hand sewn costumes. So that was my first job interview. Wow. And they made you... You, went, you just went right Hello. to the top, didn't you? You were like, you know what, I'm not... And in the job interview, they handed you two bits of linen and said, could you please sew that with a, with a sew that seam, please? Please. And they looked at you and they went, oh, you don't use a thimble. Oh! And, I, <laughs> and I said, I'll learn. <laughs> and, and, I, and I did learn. So my first theatre job was working at the Globe for, on the authentic practices, which was when I made my first fully authentic roughs, which has just led to an obsession so ever cool. since. And you learned how to use a thimble. And I did, and I now can't say without that? one. So I guess my takeaway from this podcast is I will never work at the Globe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't use a thimble. <laughs> and it gives me grief about that all the time. All the time. All the time. I, 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 I do recommend it. I do have holes in my hands a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have them on my on my left hand. I got a good needle. one. Yeah, that's my costume college finger hole. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, excuse me. Anyway, that's amazing. Straight up to the Globes. Yes, I I forget because that's a long time ago now because I think I was about... Uh, 19 when I went there. Oh my god. So I hadn't even been to university or. You just went right to the Globe. Yeah. Because that's where I want. I've been going there again since I was 11 when they were building it. And Mm. my um, my parents took us there to um, educational workshops where they had actors doing teaching and Shakespeare with children. Yeah. So we used to go to those and and we used to go and see the productions there. They opened with. um, this is aside completely, but they opened with Henry V, which is a Shakespeare play that me and my yeah. brother loved. And when we went there, my brother was so short, he couldn't see the stage. Oh, so my yes. parents had to hold him up so he oh. could see it, because they insisted on standing in the groundling bit. Yeah. And, and we liked it so much, we went to see it again. So they had to hold him up again oh. so he could see. 
That's dedication. <laughs> I also feel like a complete idiot because I'm like, I, I know I've at least read part of Henry V just through my actor training. And I'm like, a, a small boy is like, I love Henry V. And I'm like, oh. it's a fun one. Knights and armor. And, I like and... Love's Labor's Lost in Midsummer. But, uh... <laughs> just watch The Hollow Crown. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was Kenneth Branagh. It was his obsession. That's why, oh, That's why he yeah. loved him. Uh, Kenneth Branagh was also one of my obsessions. <laughs> Still is. <laughs> <laughs> he was yeah. in, oh, now I'm like, lost. My, my favorite also... was Hamlet. Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have some heart palpitations. My, my parents again took us to the cinema to see all four hours oh of that. Oh, yeah. And we were not impressed. <laughs> I watched it with my mother one night in a cabin at Lake Tahoe, all four hours of it. And at one point, I was riveted. I was like, this is the best thing ever. Oh, Ophelia. My mom's like, are they dead yet? <laughs> God, this is so long. I'm like, you're never going to make it through Pride and Prejudice, Mom. <laughs> yeah, but they don't die at the end of that. <laughs> no. Chaos. Okay. <laughs> right. so how long did you work for the club? I did one season working in-house in their workroom. Mm-hmm. I keep getting very confused here because people keep telling me about costume shops. And mm-hmm. I think you mean fancy dress shops, but people mean workrooms. Whereas yeah. in England, we say a workroom for a theatre workroom or a film workroom. Duly so noted. I've yeah. probably been sort of looking glazed at people when they've said what? that, but I now know yeah. what they mean. So I did one season in their work in their workroom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the second year, I was actually meant to be going to university in the September. So I thought, well, that's it. I've had my had my moment at the Globe. That was brilliant. I'll go to university now and put my head down. And then, um, oh, this is going into a complete sideline again. I then um, had a motorbike accident and smashed my leg and couldn't go to university oh. and had to defer for a year. So I thought, right, I'll have to be freelance this year. Unfortunately, I got some freelance work from the Globe and right. I made a, a linen shirt for Mark Rylance that had bobbin <laughs> lace inserted into all of it, um, which was... Which again, occasionally I forget I even did that. Occasionally mm-hmm. I find the pictures and go, oh yeah, I, I, I made that. I this was Mark Rylance as a woman or Mark Rylance as a man? This was him as Prospero in The Tempest, so, oh, Tempest, so he was a man. Merciful heavens! <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favourite thing you ever made for the globe? I think it was probably that shirt. That shirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, how, how many roughs did you make? I think I'm for when I made roughs at the Globe. I made I, we were working on much to do about nothing, mm. and I made Claudio's rough and Don John's roughs, mm. and it was a suit of roughs, so it was a neck rough and a wrist rough, um, and that was uh, controversial. That was the all one of the all female productions rather than the all male productions. Well, that sounds awesome. Uh, so tell us a little bit about roughs. Just just, just a, a bit. your favorite little <laughs> nicky knacks about roughs because I know people are quite fascinated by them I find them fascinating I think a lot of people are put off at the thought of how much hemming there is to start with but that's, that's the best what part. I enjoy it's about easy. them and then once you've forever. hemmed it you then have to gather it or cartridge pleat it depending on what term you want to use and I just find there's just a, a brilliant simplicity in making something where each stitch has to be one eighth of an inch you know the gathering stitches that put the roughs in one inch of an inch big or one quarter of an inch big if you're making a larger one and the, the decoration, sometimes it can be really simple, sometimes it can be really over the top. And then the skill is all in setting it with the starch and the irons, which, again, the Globe um, did it with... Um, uh, they had reproduction irons made, and wow. they heated them up over like on a hot plate in a metal wow. metal um, steel bowl, I think. But um, the first time I ever got setting roughs was, again, actually at Kentwell Hall before I'd gone there, and we were doing it with a brazier and the poking irons mm-hmm. and all the reproduction things and I remember my first experience was burning my hands and trying <laughs> not to burn the roughs and doing it like that 
So now I've sort of um, practiced a lot making them and setting them with curling irons. So I oh, have cool. a huge collection of um, modern curling irons, all from, <laughs> all from eBay, all different shapes and sizes that oh, I can achieve cool. all of my rough shapes with. So what kind of starch do you like to use? Do you use a historic recipe? Or I do you just use, use I use modern starch. I use Kershaw's laundry starch because that's available in the um, the hardware shop down the road from me. Oh, okay. I wanted I want to try the rice starch that they recommend using at the Globe, which is Italian. Um, but I couldn't be certain in a, in a hurry before costume college that I wasn't buying risotto from the website. <laughs> so, um, but I've been told you can also sometimes find it in some Asian grocery stores. So yeah. I'm going to be looking in there as well. And I want to try it out. Oh, awesome. Um, cool. yeah. I wonder if it would give a different uh, loft or, or react differently. Yeah, I don't know. It looks like it's a sort of finer, whiter starch although the, mm-hmm. the the kershaws comes out pretty white but i think you treat them slightly different i sort of cook my starch beforehand i sort of bring it to the boil and make it go all gelatinous and thick and gluey and a bit transparent and then i put my roughs in it whereas i think the rice starch you you make up the starch you put the roughs in it and then you bake the rough so you put it in somewhere really hot like an oven on a gentle heat and sort of almost cook it through and that activates the starch huh. and Interesting. So it's two different ways of doing it. So I would like to have a go at doing both. This is weird because I'm seeing parallels between like setting of roughs and and Luca said that when I was at the Globe Luca was saying that all of those fancy because um, his mother's a hairdresser so he'd learnt hairdressing as well as everything else of course he Luca did learned, yeah. <laughs> so he was saying that all those beautiful ringlets achieved in the 19th century are all done with starch and curling yeah. times yeah yeah so you're incredibly cool <laughs> I'm so I glad think, we got to do this I think the girl crushing is starting to yeah. like go up and I was yeah. like oh, our room is the place right now <laughs> <laughs> so after university yes what what was your journey you you had the I did theater the three years at the provincial theater where I had to do everything I had to make the costumes repair the costumes alter things that we might be hiring mm. buy modern clothes um, the washing, the ironing, the fixing, the dressing. There was nothing I didn't do there in that theatre. There was solid yeah. CV building. Yeah, and as at, much as I resented place. it at first, I now am so glad that I did it yeah. because I was like, no, no, I want to sew, I want to sew. Um, and um, and um, But no, it was a brilliant experience mm. and I did so much, even though a lot of it was something like, one of the big things about that theatre, because it was in a town and they were like, we are a community and we we perform for our community is that, and this is going to have to be because we've been explaining, they, um, their obsession was pantomime, which is a big English yeah. tradition at yes, Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So we used to start making the pantomime costumes in July. Um, oh, sometimes we might have even made the first ones in March because they would have wanted to do the photo shoot for the poster then. Yeah, well that makes sense. And then sense. we'd have to fit it in with the other productions. And then we'd do the pantomime for six weeks over Christmas and I was usually the main dresser on that as well. Oh. And I had a team of people and like organizing that everything was fixed and working and again when I first did that I was like I can't believe I'm doing this but again brilliant experience so once I've been there about three years I thought this has been great but I really want to concentrate on making because that is my love and one of my um, my really good friends from university had moved to Brighton and started working at Glyndebourne Opera House which is a big opera house on the south coast in England and it's 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 a, a country house estate that um, sometime in the early 20th century, the the wife of the owner was uh, was wanted to do a little bit of performance, so she'd <laughs> she'd sing and invite her friends round. And now it's the most prestigious, like the second most prestigious opera house in England. Wow. <laughs> and um, and people come and people come and picnic in the grounds, and then they go and watch an opera. 
and I went to work in the ladies' costume department there, and um, the I, I learnt so much there as well. And it was really interesting as well because their way of making again very theatrical. One of the reasons it was but so grounded in history was because one of their head cutters had been Jean Honeysett mm-hmm. in the nineties, mm-hmm. I think. Hallelujah. So yeah, so the so the two main cutters there they were very much students of her, and that was yeah, you know, and. and and working on that so I went there and I worked there for three years and I just made and at that point you have to also decide what you're doing you become a ladies costume maker or you become a tailor oh, okay. we, it was an entirely female workroom each side it's but it was whatever yeah so you were one or the other and you didn't really didn't really cross that. over there was a little bit of crossover in the fact that um if there was a man dressed as a woman we would make his costume and if there was a woman dressed as a man tailoring would make it that was, um, but sometimes that would, sometimes that would change over. It was there were some parts that. Did the lady side focus then more on draping to the body? There was a lot of that. Yeah. Okay. Versus the tailor. That's, yeah. that's interesting because you made that connection. It was like it, it's very traditional trade work, you know, mm. the and keeping everything separate and not doing a lot of overlap when it came to, to everything, especially yeah. in a in a theatrical situation. Yes, and that seems to carry on. It's a little bit different when you go into film but mm. it seems to so how did you go from <laughs> theater opera and film um, made that jump yes and that's what you're doing now and that's what i'm doing now, now yes um it's purely as it so often is it's who you meet and yeah. making a good impression <laughs> yeah. Yeah. not what you know that's why you come to costume yeah. college I, yeah. did, I was very intentional with my whole thing about not even doing theatre um, noticed when I left university that if you wanted to go into film you, you went in as a trainee or you went in as like the team maker and the floor sweeper and you worked yeah. your way up and I thought oh, I don't want to do that and it's very easy also to get sidetracked you, you know there's so many avenues in film because mm-hmm. there's costume coordination there's just the people that do the on-set stuff there's just oh there's so much that it'd be quite easy to go down the wrong route because yeah. you're you do, and so I thought oh no no I'll, I'll do what I'm doing but no I met a, a, a costume designer for film uh, while coincidentally while I was working at Glyndebourne because she'd worked there in the past mm-hmm. um and yeah, she offered me a day's work on a film she was doing just because she needed an extra pair of hands sewing. Can you tell us what the film was? It was called The Man Who Knew Infinity. Okay. It was quite a small film set during the First World War about an Indian mathematician who was discovered in, in he was discovered in India. He was he didn't read and write, but his ability to think and maths was there. And he went to Cambridge University in the First World War. And it was just a sort of biopic about him. Um, oh, I already want to cry. Cool. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm like, oh, okay. Hold on. The feelings. <laughs> that sounds like an amazing film to work on. Yeah, especially like for the first one. Yes, and um, the first day I went there, it was just, oh, could you alter this? Could you do that? They were on set. They were doing. The, they were on location rather doing their first day, mm-hmm. and it was just, oh yeah, this needs altering, that needs altering. Could you do that? And they were like, oh, could you come back another day and do a bit more? And they just kept coming back. Yeah, I did a few days. Back. I did. A, I only did about seven altogether. Um, but, and I was also still working at Glyndebourne and it was just the day off that I could go and do it. And they said, oh, well, next time we, we do this, would you be interested? And I said, yes, I really would. And then I was 
Yes. And then I went to go, then I went to go and work on Wonder Woman, which was just <laughs> a dream come true. Yeah. Because I'd made a Wonder Woman costume in the style of Linda Carter when I was at university to try and prove that I wasn't just interested in historical costume. <laughs> and actually, I got so bogged down by the meaning of Wonder Woman and feminism and the costume that I don't think they were very interested in that because I was also really quite geeky and nerdy. <laughs> and there's always been rumours about a Wonder Woman film being made. You know, there's been like the false starts with Joss Whedon, which would have been amazing. Um, yeah. But no, it was made, uh, um, and I got to work on it. And then when they said, "Oh, it's set in 1918," I was oh. like, "That's just brilliant!" Yeah. Well, for those of you all listening who have never seen pictures of Constance, you wear 1900-ish to 1939. You say, "What was it? You're the unfashionable?" Oh, I'm platter. the unfashionable twenties woman. Yes, yeah. so I just I just have a shorter hemline, and I didn't cut my hair. So, <laughs> so you you those clothes as clothes every day so yeah to be able to work on the Wonder Woman movie yes that is set in the 19 teens it was wonderful yeah, yeah. it was one oh. and I and I had a little bit of nervousness before oh before I went to Wonder Woman I went and did a couple of days as a daily which is where the workroom's really busy and they just need an extra pair of hands I went and did about a week on Downton Abbey and yeah. um I had this moment of going <laughs> should I wear I knew all the girls that worked there, because I'd met them all at Glyndebourne, actually. Yeah. Um, and I thought, should I wear my clothes, or should I try and look normal? Will they think I'm... Trying a, to be part of it. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be thought of that. And then I thought, no, this is me. This is how I dress. And it was fine, and because the girls all there knew me, yeah, it didn't so matter. And then I... Was no so once I'd done that, I thought, well, I'll just carry straight on then, and that's what I did in Wonder Woman. And every, <laughs> every job I've done since then, I've just carried on dressing as me. Occasionally, I do walk into rooms like when they're fitting extras, and people look at me, and they're trying to work out whether I should be funneled into hair and makeup and have that done, <laughs> or whether I've like, actually Yeah, you can someone do my makeup. That's fine. I can like, <laughs> I go to work, is... and you're like, look at my beautiful, overly done face. This is kind of interesting, because... Like from a business perspective, I think Kathy would agree with this. The clothing that you wear is kind of part of your brand. Yeah. It makes you very memorable as mm-hmm. a costumer in that world of oh yeah, Constance. Yeah. She dresses like this every day. It, you know, it's like a little trigger. I yeah. think that's pretty cool. And and uh, you know, maybe some advice for people who want to get into that world of like what makes you different, what makes you special beyond just everybody else that you're competing with. And that's one of those visual things that I think people might remember about you. You, you know what, you're absolutely right, because it's not, you're not doing it in an obnoxious way, you're doing it to be true to yourself. That's what I always hope comes across, because yeah. I, I worry about the fact people think I'm trying too but hard, when but you it really But when you walk around saying, I'm really an unfashionable flapper, it's not like you're <laughs> trying to get, you know, but it, you're, you're honouring yourself and your, your true self. And it does come out, and it, and it makes you memorable, and it's not something where, that oh, that person just wants attention. Yeah. So it's making your, especially if you're working in the entertainment industry, and it's so competitive. Yeah. It's so, so competitive. And museum world's so competitive. If you can make yourself stand out just ever so slightly that people have that visual recall of you, it, will, it makes the biggest difference. And they're your clothes as well. There's a difference yeah. between clothes and costume. Yes. Mm. And you can tell when somebody's wearing a costume. They can they feel like they're wearing a clo- costume versus these are my clothes. I this think my comfort in wearing these clothes, and I am very comfortable in them most of the time, is the fact that partly because of going to Kentwell Hall. Yeah. And I used, to go for, I used to go for three weeks every summer, plus every bank holiday weekend 
and so I spent you know practically half my life there and I didn't dress I didn't take any other clothes I'd turn up in my Tudor clothes when I got there and I'd wear them the whole time now girl you know you're lying a little bit because you told me oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right the only exception I really really hated my Tudor shoes so I used to as soon as all the public go home put my DMs on I just love this visual of like a teenage girl with like massive combat boots dressed in Tudor clothes being like what? <laughs> and there were so many it's like girls English from top to toe. Yeah. <laughs> there were so many girls like with my age then because it's our teens where they were like, oh no, I've got to go and get changed. I've got to go and get clean. I'm going to be me. And yeah. I was like, no, I'm me. <laughs> this, this, this is it. Oh, that's awesome. So did, did Constance tell you this is how she ended up in the Wonder Woman movie? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> So you actually Briefly. did become an extra. <laughs> I did become an extra. Um, what scene? Um, in the Selfridges scene. Okay. So when she's trying on the clothes yeah. and, they, and she says, how can a woman fight in this? I'm in the background measuring someone in the uniform of the Selfridges staff. Because ah! they said, we made these uniforms for the Selfridges staff. And um, they said, oh, we need to try it on someone to see how it fits. And I said, oh, could I try it on? Yeah, because no, you're like, I wear these clothes yeah. anyway. Yeah. And I did, and and um, and they said, oh, actually, they might want a seamstress in the scene, and rather than have an extra do that, perhaps you <laughs> well, should do it. Well, because you actually would know what you're doing, so it's believable instead of. But like, I don't <laughs> think I did anything in the end, so I am just in the background <laughs> measuring someone, looking probably intensely awkward. <laughs> oh, no. oh, I loved that scene. I loved that scene. And the funny story about that is that somebody made a gif of that moment where she just kicks and shit and and yeah. tears the tears the skirt and is like, "How can a woman fight in this?" And Constance sent this gif to me and said, "I'm a gif." That's when you know you've made it. <laughs> you've become Gift memeable. status. So, can we, you know, in our private messages, send each other Constance gifts back and forth? Shit, yeah. Constantly. We'll send them. It's like when you're working hard and someone rips this, rips their dress or that When you need yesterday. some motivation, we'll just send the Constance gift. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Constance gift. Gif. 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 Anyway. Anyways. Well, so, this is awesome. Yeah. So, so fascinating. Wonder Woman. Uh, are you allowed to tell us your favorite thing you worked on for Wonder Woman? Um, I don't actually know, but I'm going to say uh, it's maybe, already out anyway. It's already it's out. Movie, so. It's um, and I've seen oh, the book. I haven't seen it yet. Oh my god! <laughs> I've seen the book with the costume illustration and designs in, and it's a beautiful book. It was lovely to see it all like that. Uh, me and my my best friend Stevie McTeer, who I've known since university and worked at Glamborn with, we worked on the 1918 uniform that she wore. Which is very so enjoyable. Cool. Oh, so cool. And I'm not besides. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just having a moment because I just loved, I really enjoyed the movie. Very but what much, you have to so. remember is also that so much of that goes to the designer and the yeah. cutter. We were, we were yeah, the makers in it. But you still it, got to put your hands on it. it and yeah. there's that ownership there. So you've had an awesome career and you've taught us excellent lessons. And I'm sure the young people listening to this have hopefully picked up some good lessons here which is don't be afraid to go right to the top Mm -hmm. be persistent be persistent so with the thimble (laughs) Uh, (laughs) be true to yourself because it really makes a difference and never give up never give up so you started as a reenactor and you now work in the theater and now you've worked on one of the most iconic world-changing movies probably in our generation for women it's been such a huge deal what piece of advice do you have for those listening 
Other than like all this lovely like, you nuggets said. of genius that you just keep <laughs> dropping all over the place. Like if, if someone came up to you and was like, Constance, I want to do what you do. How do I do it? And you have 20 seconds to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is what happened, by the way. So, so just get your answer out now. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think, what would I say? Number one, probably apprentice yourself to a tailor, because if you really want to learn how to sew, tailoring techniques applied to women's clothes are fantastic. Mm-hmm. It really gives you a finish. But always look to the historical, always look to why, why something was done that way. All the lessons are there. Um, and just keep sewing. Like, I don't know. No, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you so much, Thank Constance. Um, we will have information uh, on Constance. Uh, share your Instagram account, your blog, and your Facebook if you'd like on the podcast so that way people can find you and reach out to you. Yes. We'll have Do you want me to say what they are? Or yeah, go right can... ahead. Go right ahead. We'll put them down and link it to That probably make more ahead. sense. But say what they are as well. Um, I don't have an awful lot. I have a costume page on Facebook that's called Constance McKenzie Costumes. It's mostly pictures of roughs at the moment. <laughs> Um, I can't share the film stuff so it's (laughs) gone very quiet Um, I have an Instagram which I think is just my personal one so it's just Mm -hmm. under Stanzi McKenzie and that's about it really Yeah, and American Duchess follows you on Instagram so they can always go through us to find you if if the searches and we'll link that up on the blog as well as some pictures and some more information Yeah, thank you so much Constance it's been awesome thank you you so much this has been Fashion History with American Duchess. I'm one of your hosts, Lauren Stoll. And I'm Abby Cox. And you can check us out on Instagram, an American Duchess, Twitter, American Duchess, Facebook, American Duchess. And you can buy shoes from us at AmericanDuchess.com and our blog, blog.americanduchess.com, which will have pictures and fun stuff of this episode up there so that way everyone can check it out. And yeah. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye.